podcast pretty sketchy podcast hey everybody welcome to the pretty sketchy podcast i'm Corey wire um and with me as always is acclaimed author and founding member of the baja men michael marshman uh michael who did let the dogs out <laughs> you did oh there you go see it, mystery solved the internet can now we're done guys everybody can pack up and go home yeah, right, i'm so. way too white to be a founding member of the baja men. <laughs> That's why it's ironic, Michael. <laughs> um, okay, so, um, okay, first things first. One thing I wanted to do, um, because it, it occurs to me that, like, you know, every podcast is someone's first podcast. So I figure maybe we should come up with a way of describing what we're actually doing for any newbies that are just pop um, <laughs> dropping in, you know. Um, so essentially what we're doing is uh, Michael has written a comic book called uh, Homoko King. Homoko King. Um, it's, uh, I love the title. He's a bit, not, not quite sold on it, but I think we've convinced him now. Um, and I'm drawing it and I figured why, why just draw it when I can, you know, let everybody see what the process of, of putting together a comic and, and learn, you know, we're learning as well. This is our first book together, first book ever really, um, uh, comic book. So yeah, um, that's, that's basically it. So we live stream on YouTube and we also dump out the audio to, uh, iTunes so you can listen in the car or whatever. Um, yeah, so, uh, that's basically it. So, um, <laughs> cause I'm an idiot and I'm unprepared and everything like that. I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to draw page three today, so I can't remember what's on it. Um, I've lost my paperwork and stuff. Oh, hang on. Hey, we've got a phone call. <laughs> oh, this is cool. Hello. You're live on air. Sorry. You're live on air. Oh, we're, am I? we're streaming to YouTube. Say hi. Oh, hi. <laughs> oh, I was dreaming. Can Yes, no problems. Okay. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I was Natalie with uh, impeccable timing as always. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm really unprepared and uh, I had some issues with my computer. So uh, I have no idea what this page is. So Michael's about to explain it to me um, while we do this. So uh, what are we looking at for page three, man? Uh, top third of the page is more of Nissa flying, like, well, as a, as a kid. Yeah, like um, learning to fly. Like, yeah, you'd like, you just... I've got it written here, show fast moving shadow, rustling some trees as it zips by sort of thing. Okay. Uh, second third of the page, you got, uh, and this, this is the, the scene in the, in the garden where she's older, mm-hmm. a little older, and she's talking to her grandfather, and he, the little back and forth between them. Yep. Um, so she's, she's, she's sort of like early teens now? Yeah, like mm-hmm. 13-ish. Um, yep, okay. Yeah, she's a little older, sitting in the backyard, drinking tea mm-hmm. with her grandfather. Um, then you got like a over the shoulder of the grandfather, like from Nissa's perspective. Mm-hmm. No, sorry, other way around. My bad. Oh my god, I have it right in front of me, and I'm not even getting it right. <laughs> um, she she looks like confused and curious. Mm-hmm. Um, bottom third of the page is like three smaller panels. Yep. Uh, pretty much going back and forth between like the two over the shoulder perspectives um the first one the grandfather has a serious look mm-hmm. the next one nissa looks concerned uh the last panel is actually a bit of a wider shot of the two with focus on the grandfather looking off into the distance with that you know thousand yard stare i've seen some shit yeah yep. Okay. sort of sort of look okay so hang on run run through i'm just quickly sketching that out so i've got first panel is her flying second panel is her in the garden having a conversation then you've got the bottom third of the page is say so two panels of, of conversation between them where she's like looking a little confused um and then you've got like the grandpa look staring off into the distance sort of as the last panel yeah okay yeah. cool yep no no problems One do what you will with that information yard stare all right cool this is where the magic happens, people. <laughs> All right. So, um, so what's been going on, man? What have you been doing? Um, just sort of not trying to go crazy because of work, one thing. Mm-hmm. But in my free time, um, I decided I very, very slowly got through Luke Cage. Um, I think there was like a good two-week break mm-hmm. in between like I think I think I watched the first four episodes. Yeah. And then it was like two weeks later I decided to hop back into it and sort of finish it. Um Yeah. That feels <laughs> What are the feels? Um I I, I liked it. It was okay. Mm-hmm. Uh it 
I don't know. It, it, I suppose I didn't personally have any hype for it anyway. It was like Luke Cage came out. And I was like, oh, okay, Luke Cage is out. Hmm. I wasn't one of the people that was like, oh my god, I need to watch this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it it was okay. It. I felt like it didn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, like that. Because a lot of it is is about Harlem itself, and not about not necessarily about Luke. Yeah, yeah. And. At the start of it, Harlem's sort of in this shit pile, and at the end of it, it's no better off. Right, okay. I suppose, like, yeah, not much happens. I, I guess it's hard to explain, like, because you haven't watched it all, I think. Yeah, no, I haven't, uh, yeah. Yeah, you haven't finished it, yeah. I'm, I don't want to really spoil anything, but... um, Yeah, I mean, it was fun. It had some good moments. Uh, The guy that played Luke Cage, I can't remember his name, I think it's Michael Colton or something. Yeah, that's actually right. Great actor, um, mm, good dude. And the 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 guy that played Cottonmouth, he he, friggin' great actor as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the villain, any but yeah, um, it's it's probably sitting below Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Um, okay. Daredevil's still top of the pile. Um, <laughs> it's gonna take a lot to beat that. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think Punisher might have a good sort of shot at it. Yeah, yeah. If if they do it right, but yeah. Well, I mean, um, it's 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 more so that the um, you know, it just seems the other two are, are more traditional comic book shows, I guess. Um, whereas you know, Jessica Jones and, and Luke Cage are a little bit of a gamble because they're a bit different. Um, and to me, like Jessica Jones was a winner, and I haven't seen enough of Luke Cage to really comment. But it it feels like there's definitely different, different vibe going on, different flavor to it. You know. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's but, it's got that very uh <laughs> black exploitation sort of vibe to it as yeah, well. Yeah. Just just not in a not in one offensive way or to a sort of cheesy way. Yeah. But well, what you I know, like was... it's got that music and all that kind of stuff that that is usually in them. But yeah. Well, what I found that was funny was uh at the same time uh, what was the other show that came out? The Get Down. And Dying. I was sitting there and I mean I don't want this to sound like really ignorant or anything like that but I was struggling to separate the two in my head because I was kind of watching episode per episode. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'm like, they're, they're both about Harlem and they're both, they've got, both got that sort of uh, over the top sort of flavor of, mm. of, of that sort of, you know, uh, place, you know, um, it's, it's New York City, but it's not, you know, like, I mean, Daredevil's Hell's Kitchen and it feels like Hell's Kitchen. This is definitely Harlem, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and you know, I mean, whether or not it's like... A, I don't relate as well to it um, or not. Um, it just didn't capture my, maybe it was just too much Harlem that week. <laughs> and I was just like, you know what, maybe I'll just wait this out and watch it later on, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. Um, I just, I don't know. I'm too busy comparing it to the other two. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yes. maybe taking on its own merit is the is the way to do it. Yeah, definitely. And I think I was talking to um Carl about it. This was before I even finished it. I, I think I was like a few episodes in, and I wasn't completely sold on the show yet. And Carl had already finished it, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, I loved it, blah blah blah. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, fair enough. And he he said that I he could relate to it more because mm. where he grew up and I grew up not far from him it was a very sort of i don't want to say ghetto community but it was very uh, low income i suppose yep uh sort of community and like a lot of the issues that you see in luke cage sort of happened in that area as well yeah fair enough um and i think carl saw a lot of what he saw mm-hmm. when he was a kid in luke cage and that's why he he uh he loved it so yeah fair enough yeah um yeah, I've definitely got to revisit it, to be honest, because that's exactly what happened with Jessica Jones, too. I watched the first episode, or at least three quarters of the first episode, and went, oh, there's nothing here to, that I can relate to. Um, mm. But then, for some reason, I think we ran out of Flash or something <laughs> like that, like, and we were jonesing for another superhero hit, and I, I convinced Nat, who you wait, you all just met a few minutes ago, um, I convinced her to maybe, um, you know, Let's just check out this show. We'll just watch one episode. I hear good things. Everybody's raving about it. Uh, we'll give it another shot. And, you know, like a day and a half later, we'd watched every episode. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those. And, and I'm sure Luke Cage is exactly the same. I just got to give it the time, you know? 
Mm. Um, but yeah, so that that's uh, so so out of ten, what are you what are we talking? Oh, I'd say eight, seven. Yeah, seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So that's all right. Seven or eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely worse out there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there definitely is. <laughs> Anything that's not comic book related at this point is just you know. If it doesn't have dragons or isn't comic book related, I, I'm not interested. <laughs> um, he says that and hasn't even watched the last two seasons of Game of Thrones, but whatever. Um, yeah, so um, tell me about Doctor Strange, man. As someone who hasn't seen it and has basically zero relationship with the character, um, yeah. what what do you what do you say? What's what are we talking? Um, it's it's up there, man. Uh, it's yeah. It's definitely one of my favorite Marvel cinematic movies. Okay. Uh, that's probably a, that's a big behind call. behind Winter Soldier and uh, Guardians. Yeah, yeah, right on. Um, but yeah, as I said yesterday, it's going to take a hell of a movie to knock Winter Soldier off. For sure, yeah. But um, yeah, it's oh, man, it's a it's a visual feast. I mean, don't trip and go see it. <laughs> okay whatever you I'll do keep that in mind because <laughs> you're, you're not coming back <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah um it's oh, Cumberbatch is he's solid as always i mean he he second time i've seen him do an american accent and i don't know what it is with british actors man they can mm. they can just do american accents like it's like yeah. friggin' cavill hugh laurie Cumberbatch. Thank <laughs> you, Laurie, the guy that nobody even knew was British. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even though he's been on British television for decades. Yeah. yeah. Show show people an episode of Black Adam and they'll be like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What was that? Uh, some awards show or whatever he was presenting with someone else. He's walked up and says, hello, everybody. I'm Hugh Laurie. And the guy goes, oh, no one said we were doing accents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think one of its biggest weaknesses and it seems to be a trend with marvel movies is the villain okay yeah um, mainly uh, because who is the, the villain in this i think i i've been listening to a lot of podcasts about it but i ah, you know i mix things up so i can't remember his name but it starts with a c um <laughs> see cool. that that's how good the freaking villain was yeah. um but in in most marvel movies i think the captain america's aside and maybe the Iron Man's the the villain is always a lackey for a bigger villain. Gotcha. Yeah. And is it, is it's it because a, they're trying to they're going in for the big play later on, or not know? with this one? Yeah, right. Not with this one. There's there's a bigger villain in this movie, and he kind of gets spoiler alert his ass handed to him in that movie, so it kind of yeah. wraps it all up. So, but you know, there's reasons why they did it. Blah blah blah. Like mm -hmm. he could to Earth's realm and. Blah blah blah, all that bullshit. Yeah. But yeah, um, that was probably the biggest weakness. I, I just I hate it when there's a guy, a villain, who seems to have this personal agenda or like this. I have to do this because God told me to. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and he, and thinks, then, he thinks he's right. Yeah, uh, which. I mean, I, I mean, I guess every villain with an agenda thinks they're right, but I think we, we've come to this age where, where villains have to be a little bit more complex. And the, yeah. the, the easy way out to do that is to give them an agenda, which, which sort of parallels the true villains in the real world. You know, like you got things mm. like Westboro Baptist and stuff who truly believe that what they're doing is right. They're not, yeah. I mean, in that regard, that their deeds are evil, but it's hard to call them evil people. Because they're just misguided, you know what I mean. And I'm, I'm not justifying yeah. anything they do; they're fucking horrible. But it's it's the same sort of thing. And 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 any of the you know terrorists around the world and stuff, they're doing horrible, horrible things every day. Um, mm. But they they 100 believe that what they're doing is the right thing, and that's more terrifying than someone who's like, I'm a bad guy and I'm going to destroy the city just because I fucking want to. You know, that's that's makes for a much more terrifying villain. Um, yeah. But, well, uh, the the villain in Doctor Strange is is pretty much that he's totally convinced he's doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. He he just he seemed like a stepping stone to something bigger, mm. I guess. And that bigger thing was resolved in a total of five minutes. 
Right. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. I mean, that sounds a little clumsy to me. Is that? Do you think the writing was a little clumsy, or do you think it's just par for the course? It's just you know a lot of tropes sort of glued together into a reasonably good and attractive looking movie. Uh, I think Marvel, uh, with a lot of their movies, they're trying to go too big. Mm-hmm. Um, if if they kept it a more personal thing, or not even have the big bad guy in the movie at all. Mm-hmm. Or like have him like just not gotten through or God, I'm spoiling the fuck out of this movie. Mm. Spoilers, <laughs> people. You have to say um, that if it's a podcast and you talk about anything. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, well, even if they still had him as a looming threat, yeah, it, it probably would have worked better. Mm. But the fact that he was gone in like five minutes, it it's just seems kind of wow, okay. wasted. I suppose. Mm. Other than that, like it's it's such a good movie. Um, <laughs> some of the humor doesn't quite land, mm-hmm. um, mainly because they're just pop culture references. Like Cumberbatch will just say a celebrity's name. Oh, he doesn't mention like, the Kardashians. No. <laughs> good. No. Uh, okay. Then yeah, I like yeah, he'll say something and then it'll be like. Uh, I'm, I'm watching the movie and I'm just like, okay, that was meant to be funny, but it just sort of, <laughs> it, it fell way flat, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I still I still really dug it. Um, fun movie. Definitely worth seeing in the cinemas. Mm-hmm. Just for the visual spectacle. Yep. And just the, the, the mind fuckery, mm-hmm. I suppose. And, yeah. um, and, you know, like, I'm, I'm not a big Marvel fan. I'm pretty sure I've said that before. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> like, I don't, I haven't read all their comics and blah, blah, blah. The only real uh, interaction I've had with Stephen Strange before the movie was in Planet Hulk when he's in it for a total of, like, two panels. Oh, <laughs> like, okay. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, a whole bunch of, like, this, essentially the smartest guys in the world send Hulk into space because they believe he's too dangerous. Oh, fair enough. And, and Stephen Strange is one of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, that's my whole experience with him before the movie. <clears throat> Still cool. Yeah, see, that's cool. that's more than I've had. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's the same thing. I think I've got the same sort of reservations as everybody has with a movie like that, and that's that it's like um, it's it's it gets into that mystical sort of realm. And when they started doing like mainstream <clears throat> comic book stuff again, um. Yeah. They, they, the only way they felt like they could get it done is to go for the dead serious route, you yeah. know? Um, and uh, so far that's been working well. And then Deadpool came out and, you know, um, so, so you always had superheroes that carefully select superheroes that had powers that were kind of, I wouldn't say tangible in the real world. Cause every, every mutant in the, in, in every comic book ever is intangible pretty much. To yeah, a certain degree. They were, they were based on some kind of science. Yeah, so you could look at it and go, I, I guess I could figure out how that would work. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, but then then when you bust out magic, I think that's that's where it gets a little trickier because it's like, mm. well, hang on, this isn't weird genetic science I don't understand. This is magic. I gave up on magic when I was six, you know? <laughs> um, um, but, but yeah, there's a wealth of amazing characters. And, and I mean, someone, was I talking to you the other day about it? About how, like, um, uh, you know, the, the magical characters tend to be a little bit more interesting. You know, like Stephen Strange is probably one of the more <clears throat> powerful characters in the universe because yeah. he, he can alter, like, reality itself, you know? Um, and that that makes for very interesting characters, and you've got to give them the benefit of the doubt, I guess, you know? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, look at characters like Constantine and Dr. Fate as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Fate has always been a very interesting character to me. Mm-hmm. A very cool character and he's just he's essentially dc's version of dr strange okay yeah um just a little i think a little more mystical i'd say yeah. Yeah. uh more deeped in like uh egyptian sort of lore and okay. ancient sort of stuff but anyway yeah yeah uh him but especially constantine um the stories that have been written with him in them like the hellblazer series are just mm. fucking phenomenal and yeah. it's it's not always about the magic itself. It's like there's a lot of social commentary in, at the time. I think when Hellblazer started, I think uh, Margaret Thatcher was in office. Right on, yeah. Um, and there was <laughs> quite a few uh, issues and like arcs dealing with Britain at the time and the the punk rock era and the just 
youth rebelling against the the old cronies sort of thing and yeah, yeah. It, like they were weaved so well into into hellblazer like you could kind of see how the destruction of britain and the destruction of the world was sort of intertwined like magically yeah it yeah. was it was just really well done i think mm. And good luck us ever seeing that on a big screen, you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they well, they do but try I mean, to with, with Brexit happening. I mean, yeah, anything's possible. <laughs> Now's a perfect time to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, they usually do that anytime they revisit something that's a little bit sort of um, dated. Yeah, dated. I guess um, they they tend to sort of try and use the similar elements and and transpose it over a whole new. Um, yeah you know, like, like modern interpretation, you know, like, so in, in this case, it, it might be something to do with the Trump type character, you know, mm. or, or something like that, which they, they might try to uh, re, not rebrand it, but, you know, like um, reinterpret it for the modern age so that it's relatable, you know? Yeah. Um, and it'll piss all of the purists off, but everybody else will get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. But, Speaking uh, of which, the worst thing ever happened yesterday. What's that? I burned the roof of my mouth with uh, some hot food. Oh, no. I mean, Trump, Trump got elected president, but man, yeah. my mouth fucking hurts. Right? <laughs> well, you know my theory, right? We've talked, and I don't want to get into politics on this, but, and I don't think this is really because I'm not, honestly, I really couldn't care who the president of the United States is. I live in, in Australia. Um, I barely care who runs this place. I'm one of those really ignorant sort of uh, <laughs> dudes who just doesn't give a shit. And I wasn't pro-Trump. I wasn't pro-Hillary. I wasn't pro-anything. But what has bewildered me is, to me, I saw, I saw Trump's campaign for what it was right from the beginning, and essentially the entire world just got played, and based on the comments I'm reading on Facebook and Twitter about how the world's going to end and all this, um, nobody understands that they got played. The whole campaign was, uh, like, I had two theories. One, he was just being completely outlandish and saying incredibly left to field things to just blow people's minds and confuse the shit out of them. Um, and the reason for that, I think was, was just a distraction campaign, you know, just to sort of, he, he could, he knew that everyone was fed up with, with politics at that point and, and, and all that. So he was trying to be controversial and he's a controversial guy. So that's par for the course, but I think he was ramping it up a lot. The other theory I had was, I know that he's, he's actually, I've, I've heard him say many times he's, he's great friends with the Clintons. And my, mm. my sort of conspiracy theory on the whole matter was, well, maybe he's being the crazy lunatic on the other side of the fence that people would be too terrified to vote for. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, okay, I want Hillary would be great in the White House, so I'm going to be the other campaign like candidate and just be a complete lunatic. No one will vote for me. They'll have to vote for her. And that was, that was my sort of conspiracy theory sort of thing going on. But now I look at it, and if you, I don't know if you watched his acceptance speech yesterday. Confirmed everything I was thinking about how it was all an act. He was saying a whole bunch of things that aren't ever going to happen. And he knows it's never going to happen. He's not going to build a fucking wall. He was never <laughs> going to. It was just the craziest shit he could think up at the time to say out loud. You know, yeah. um, it's not going to happen. And his acceptance speech was all, don't worry, everybody. I'm all about building strong relationships with other nations and looking after all Americans, you know. Yeah. Which, which when you, like tw 24 hours earlier was exactly the opposite to the letter <laughs> of what he was saying. And it was all a big fucking ploy <clears throat> to either get in or to get Hillary in. And I don't know which one it actually was. Either way, if it was one or the other, I guess it fucking backfired. Um, and I, I just don't think it's as big a doom and gloom as everybody suspects. Will he be a great president? I don't know. No one ever knows. Um, will he be the guy that he was through his, out his campaign trail? I absolutely wholeheartedly believe that he won't be, you know, mm. and, and people are losing their fucking minds. Um, and you know, that's, that's my take on it. And that's, <laughs> I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to be right. You know what I mean? I'm like, I, and, and I was sitting there last night, just looking at social media and the news and everybody like Reddit was just out of fucking control, you know? And actually Facebook more so, but I was just thinking to myself, how are you people not seeing it for what it is? You know, the guy, uh, he's been a successful businessman for decades and you don't get to that point by being the guy that he's playing. In fact, if you've ever seen him in the WWE, he was playing that guy. He played himself in the WWE as, as a crazy billionaire guy. And that's who he was being throughout the campaign, you know? Um, yeah, it just it just boggles my mind. 
Um, struggling. <laughs> I've drawn a pretty cool picture of Nissa here, but I don't know how to incorporate Grandad into the shot yet. I'm still working on that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, the reason I was really underprepared for today's podcast. Oh, here we go. Yeah, man. I know it always comes back. To, can we have a podcast where Corey doesn't mention PlayStation VR? <laughs> Apparently not. So, um, fuck, man. Last night I downloaded the Batman uh, Arkham experience. And I want to pre- preface it by saying it's not an Arkham game. I mean, it's an Arkham game, but it's not the Arkham games that you're familiar with. It's a whole different ball game, right? Um, and and that's, that's with real good reason, because a lot of game types really don't translate to VR that well. So they make experiences that do. It's like mobile games. You know, a lot, a lot of times a first-person shooter is going to be a piece of shit on a phone. So they don't make them anymore. They make different experiences that work great on phone. Um, and this is, this is the same sort of deal. It's, it's Arkham's universe. So the Batman that you play in it is the one from the games um, with, you know, Alfred and the Batcave and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's, it's definitely not an action game in that you, I mean, I've, I haven't played that much of it, but you definitely, you're not running around beating guys up and stuff like that. It definitely leans more towards the, the detective side of things. Um, you're solving crimes. I won't spoil anything, but let's just say that part of your Batman camp, um, well, two members are missing. One of them, the first you find out um, with the first case you sort of check out um, is uh, one of them is you find him dead. And so you have to recreate the crime scene using your bat, you know, your, your bat scanner and, um, and, and a really cool time manipulation technique where you can, you're seeing a recreation of the events as they unfolded. You can't see who the bad guy is. He's sort of like just a wireframe, but mm-hmm. you can see the character who died and you can fast forward and rewind through time as they're duking it out um, to try and figure out different points in time where something happened that might be a clue. And um, honestly, dude, standing there in the middle of a dark alleyway with two guys who are six feet tall, you know, I mean, you're Batman, so you're a little bit taller, but these are big dudes um, with a really, really cool brutal choreographed fight scene happening around you that you're standing in the middle of and you can turn around and you can watch and you can stop and you can rewind and fast forward. You can change points of view as well. Like you're standing in one part of the laneway with a press of a button. Suddenly you're at a different vantage point looking back the other way. Um, It's almost like you can, it's one of those intangible things you can't explain about VR until people do it. Watching it on a screen, you don't get a sense of scale and weight and depth. But when you're standing in the middle of it, and looking around, and these are two big dudes. If you were standing in a situation with these two guys beating the crap out of each other, it would be intimidating, you know, because they're big. And you know that at some point the fight's coming your way and you'll be bowled over and it's going to hurt, you know. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the feeling you get. The other thing that blew my mind, I haven't for some reason experienced this in VR yet, is because um, the first thing you do to line you up probably, they say stand on the Batarang. And you stand on the Batarang and then, it, you know, you do some shit. And eventually you're going down an elevator into the bat cave, which is fucking gigantic, by the way. Like, it's just this enormous vertical scale cave, you know? So when you look up, it's like 100 meters to the to the top, at least, you know? Um, but when you go in the elevator, and it's basically just a round platform you're standing on, I've gone, oh, fuck, I should, st- I should step over and look over the edge. And I was stepping to the edge like I was standing on a goddamn building, <laughs> you know? And I mean, I, I know in my head, I can just step over it and I'll just be floating there. It's no big deal. But do you think I could bring myself to actually fucking do it? I just couldn't do it. It's the, you know, and you see that on, you know, you see funny VR videos of people, you know, freaking out, freaking out and stuff like that. And I mean, I wasn't freaking out. I knew in the, in my mind what was going on, but holy shit. If I, if I didn't step gently to the edge of that fucking edge, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's just something you have to experience, you know? Um, and there's a, the beautiful part about this game in particular is there's so much detail because these, these guys aren't new to this. You know, they've been making Arkham games for a long time. So the set pieces that you go to, and they are set pieces, you sort of bounce around inside them um, from vantage point to vantage point where at each point you can stand there and turn around and look at everything. You can pick things up. Like if you're at the morgue, you can pick up the clipboards and read what's on the documents and that's all part of the clues. Like the, the thing that I found really cool that I had to figure out myself because there's, there's no clues on this is you've got to open a safe. Um, like with a push button keypad and I'm looking at it going, oh, fuck. And so I went all around the room and I'm looking, there's a note on one of the clipboards that says, oh, dude, I had to uh, lock the, um, the key for the drawer in the, in the, in the safe because there's some dude, you know, I still haven't found my watch. You know what I mean? 
So I look over and there's a safe and I'm like, cool, go over there. And it's got a button combination. I'm looking at it going, I don't know the combination. Looking all around the room, went to all of the other points, checked everything, no, no code. So I went back there and I pulled out my bat scanner and just shot the keypad. And you can see fingerprints on three of the digits. Oh, and wow. so I just sat there just with, with my own hand, like, you know, cause you're using the move controllers and just punched in combinations of those three digits until it opened. It took me like three goes, but it was just like, I just figured that out. You know what I mean? Mm. And being, it's one thing to sit there, mash an X, you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. you know, but when you're actually pressing the button with your hand and going, it, it genuinely feels like you just solved a mystery, you know? Mm. Um, it's, it's, again, it's, I can talk about it all day, but until you actually sit there and try it. Um, and, you know, we all love the Batman universe. We love the Batcave, the Batmobile, all the Bat, the Batplane and stuff. And the cave itself has several locations that you can zip to um, that allow you to indulge that fantasy of being in the Batcave. And, and they all yeah. have a purpose, but say, if you go to the garage portion, you press, it says, what vehicle do you want on one of the touch screens? You go, oh, I'll press that one. The Batmobile comes out on this giant robotic arm and you've got these two levers that you manipulate with your arms that turns it around. You can look at it from all angles. You can press a button and all the weapons just pop out of the vehicle and shit. And, and, you know, and if it's a period in the game where you can actually take off to another location, there's a lever there you can pull and it's like launch, you know? Um, but you, you manipulate everything in the environment um, just like you would in real life with the bat gloves, with the whole thing. It just, you know, just reaching down and pulling the, um, the you know the grapple gun off your utility belt with your hand it's just that much more immersive you know pulling out the scanner and changing modes and doing things on that with buttons and things it's just it's a whole other ball game you know and as much as if if, if this game came out just with on 2d on a screen with a controller it would be it'd be like a boring csi game you know except for the <laughs> fact that it, it would be made cool by the fact that it's batman you do batman shit in it you know but yeah. um because you're in VR and you're in the, the actual world and you're going, fuck me, I'm on the set of a Batman film. Um, Cause that's what it feels like, except there's no cameras and there's no point of view that you can look at where there's something that's not real, you know? Um, it's, it's really cool, man. I don't want to oversell it. Cause I don't want you to come over and check it out and go, Oh yeah. yeah this fucking <laughs> yeah. sucks. Yeah. This isn't nearly as cool as you made it out to be, dude. Um, it, it really is. And I mean, it's, it's a super cheap experience too. It's like 25 bucks or whatever. And I mean, everyone knows it's not the longest game in the world. Um, I, I don't honestly know cause I haven't come close to finishing it. Um, but I'm assuming an hour or an hour and a half, maybe two hours, you know, if that, um, and I mean, a lot of that time you could, you could elongate that just by dicking around with the stuff in the bat cave and, you know, um, and all that. So yeah, man, but you got it. You definitely got to come and try it. It's, it's the shit. Alrighty. Yeah. So there's, there's my commercial for Sony out of the way. Um, there's, there's my ad read. Where's uh, our money? I should have done a Bill Burr ad read. <laughs> these, <laughs> these fucking guys are Sony, eh? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I've, I've run out of topics. <laughs> what else did you, did you want to talk about? Um, have you, You've played The Witcher, right? The Witcher 3? I have, yep. You know the card game Gwent? For sure, yeah. Well, I they started the closed beta for the full Gwent video game. Oh, okay. So is it going to be like one of those Blizzard type? <clears throat> yeah, like a Hearthstone or a Magic something. Yeah, yeah. Game. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, I got into the closed beta. Yeah. And I was actually playing the shit out of it this morning. Oh, okay. How is Before- it? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, surely it plays just like it does in the game, though, right? Like, yeah, it plays exactly the same, except you know, you you get various decks, and there's a lot more cards in this than there are in The Witcher Three. Fair enough. Uh, granted, I never got all the cards in The Witcher Three, but as far as I can tell, there's there's a lot more. And I think they're probably going to add a bit more depth to it as well in terms of strategy and whatnot, because you're playing against actual people this time so okay yeah and and actual people can get a little tricky you know <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah um it's funny I, I find that in again valkyrie vr uh playing against ai pilots compared to playing against human pilots you, you just can't you can't take anything for granted with humans because they're just fucking weird <laughs> they don't follow yeah. any patterns they don't do anything you'd expect you know yeah <laughs> you're making me think of ender's game man you could be actually killing a 
another re- or another race. Yeah, hundred percent. And I uh, wouldn't regret <laughs> it because it's a great game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nah, I'm just really excited. I, I loved Gwent in Witcher Three. Not many people did. Like a lot of the people I talked to, were like, yeah, I, I played it once. I didn't quite get it. Yeah, that's, quite that's, that was me. No, you just described yeah. my experience with it. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was actually like that at first as well. Like I think I played the tutorial of it and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then I went back to it, actually learnt the game, and I got pretty addicted to it. Yeah, right on. So now that there's a full game in the works in closed beta right now that I can play, and it's free, holy <laughs> shit! <Yeah>. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say that I'm very happy. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, I got, I got into Hearthstone for a little bit, but it just like, it, it, it's like anything with those games. You get into it and you're like, Hey, this is pretty fucking cool, man. And you win a few games against AI and shit. And then you go out in the world and you get dominated by some Absolutely human dominated, and you're yeah. like, Oh, okay. Well that's, that's all right. I'll, I'll probably get better at this. Then you go to work and some dude who's been playing it for like eight months is like, Oh, you got to do this and then swap that card for this and then turn that into that. And then make sure you use this strategy <laughs> and then that strategy and put this down there and make sure that you always use this card when that card's on the table and shit. And I'm like, oh, fuck, there's rules. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was going I okay until you started telling me that there's a way to actually play this shit, you know? I just randomly put down whatever card looks pretty, you know? And uh, that's, that's no way to win. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and, and eventually you just lose so much that the game stops being fun, you know? And, yeah. and, you, and, and there's always like pay to players who just have way better decks than you because they're willing to spend fucking hard earned money yeah. um, and all that. But yeah. <laughs> and I remember uh, when Magic the Gathering 2014 came out, the, the video game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'd never played a Magic the Gathering game before. And a mate of mine's like, oh, bye, you know, it's a good game, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, peer pressure and all that bullshit. I was like, okay, why not? So I bought it. Downloaded it, started playing it, played through like the quote unquote story mode. Mm-hmm. Got a few extra cards from it, blah, blah, blah. And I, I found that I really liked a certain deck. I can't remember the name of it. It was like the, un- no, the Necromancer deck. Mm. <laughs> and what it does, it's it's more of a long play sort of deck. You, you sort of, a lot of it involves bringing a lot of your cards back from the grave and just sort of creating a wall of zombies that your opponent can't get past. Okay, yeah. And <laughs> I ended up playing with my friend, like, one-on-one. And this is probably the... I think it was my first time actually versing a human opponent. And I kicked the ever-loving shit out of him. <laughs> and he was just like, what the fuck? I couldn't do anything. What What are you doing? You're, you're a magician. And I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> just whatever. And Naturally. we've got another mate. Yeah. <laughs> We got another mate in, and you can do 1v1v1. We did that, and I won pretty easily again. <laughs> and my other mate was like, what the fuck did you just do? <laughs> and they were both like, all right, let's play again. I'm like, all right. And they both teamed up on me to take me out first so they could verse each other <laughs> to, to see who won. I still fucking won. Oh, <laughs> They so, just needless to say, OP deck and a little bit of strategy goes a long way. Yeah, it was either <laughs> an OP deck or I just had a natural affinity for the for the game. And yeah. I think that was the last time I ever played it. Like, I never went back to it. <laughs> Mainly because I felt kind of bad. Yeah, it's like, uh, I, I have to be the responsible one here and pull out because I'm just ruining the fun for everyone else. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> It's why I rarely play fighting games that I know how to play against friends. Like, uh, <laughs> I know I'll kick your ass and I know you'll get angry, so I'm just not going to play. Yeah, it's like talking politics at a party. You're just avoiding trouble, you know? Like, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever found a game that I was just naturally good at. You know, I think I, I, I was listening to something the other day that were talking about that. Have you ever played a game that you just, like, you know, just naturally out of the gate were just elite, you know? Because everybody's got that experience of going on and going, hey, I'm going to have a crack at Call of Duty this year for about yeah. five minutes. <laughs> and they go, yeah. nah, <laughs> this isn't for yeah, me. Yeah, no, you know? I can't really think of anything. I, I was okay at Injustice. Yeah. I wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, but mm. um, other than that, I, I suppose I was in like the top top 15 on one of the leaderboards for Arkham City. Oh, wow. For a little while, it was a Catwoman 
combat thing and I was like, yeah, rank 15 or something yeah, yeah. in the world. So I was like a bit chuffed with that. Come back a few days later, I'm like rank like 400. But, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's why you need to screenshot it while you're up there. <laughs> I did screenshot it. It's actually, it's on Facebook somewhere. Oh, cool. I'll see, I'll see if I can find it actually at some point. Mm. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I can't really think of anything I've been all that great at. Mm. Yeah, no, it's like, I, I tend to suck at games. That's why I don't play them a lot, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is ironic um, based on the nature of my job. But um, yeah, I just, you know, um, I'll stick to drawing for the, for the main thing. To be honest with you, my obsession with games isn't about winning and it never has been. It's always been about the cutting the experience. Edge. Well, the, yeah, the experience. Oh, okay. Great stories are always a, a massive thing for me, and I think that's the same for everybody. Everyone's got that game that they were blown away by that story, you know. Um, and they'll play. Oh, I, will, I would say everybody, man. Like you got your people that just buy your cods and your fifas. Yeah, yeah. And like they just do. Yeah, it but I mean, I, again, I've never been disappointed by a, a campaign in in a cod ever. They always have those big experiences that you get to do. Um, that that just you know you're always going fuck me. I can't believe that just happened. You know. Yeah, the big um, set pieces. Yeah, the big set pieces. The things getting fucked up. People in mm. the games doing st- stuff that just boggles your mind. Like when Price launched <laughs> fucking uh, he, the nukes. He, yeah, he, he he gets his way onto a nuclear sub. He goes way here, and you're like, all right. And he disappears, and then all of a sudden, all these fucking ICBMs come launching out of a submarine <laughs> at the United States, and I'm like. Holy shit! We literally just got this guy out of the gulag. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is kind of sort of maybe just a little our fault. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Um, didn't, didn't they explode in the in the atmosphere though? Like he, the yeah, atmosphere? it was. I think it was just he was he wasn't doing it to destroy America. He was doing it to force somebody else's hand. I can't. Yeah. Remember, I can't remember exactly what was going on, but because that was uh, Modern Warfare Two. Yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah. Because I I actually remember playing that, and that's the last one I played. <laughs> yeah. And it- and, no and, and, and when soap, like, you know, just little things like, and I mean, every game's got moments like this. It's not just Call of Duty, and I'm not a huge Call of Duty whore by any stretch. I haven't played the last two. Um, but just like, you know, just little bits like when soap comes, like, you know, you, you're chasing this dude through the favelas, and he's running along, you're running along and shit, and uh, he disappears, and, and your character's like, ah, I lost him, and you hear Soap's voice go, not on my watch, and he smashes this motherfucker out a second-story window and lands on a car <laughs> right in front of you, and he's just like, Holy shit. And like scripted moments like that nowadays are <laughs> par for the course. But that to me, I was just, I dropped the control of my ground and went, yeah. <laughs> we're number yeah. one, you know? Like, I, th- I think um, Uncharted are the masters. Oh, fuck yeah. That. I mean, that's, that's where the game survives on is the insane story, you know? Yeah. And, and the, I mean, the set pieces. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. But I mean, the, the original ones, when you think about it, like the, the actual action in the stuff was very formulaic you know number four is a lot better i went into it half expecting it to be the same old thing um where you you come to a place where you just know there's gonna be a fight because there's too much cover too much cover yeah (laughs) you go oh i'm gonna get gears of war is still like that i'm playing through it with paulie yeah we walk into a room and there's just like bits of rubble that are conveniently shaped like rectangles i'm like oh okay yeah yeah we're gonna fight (laughs) this is it (laughs) lo and behold the second we walk in you hear the screams and you're like all right here we go yeah yeah but you know, it is what it is. They they got to they got to th- make things recognizable. It's like with the game um, Rise. Everybody was like, "Oh, all the bad guys look the same." There's like three different bad guys. It's like, yeah, but you have to fight each of those bad guys differently. So it gives you an indication as a player as how to tackle that guy. They could add a little bit of variation, which they kind of do because as the game goes through different levels, yeah, you go to different places and the bad guys are different people. But um, it, you know that was one of the as as the as an apologist for that game, I was the one going. Well, you know they've got to have something they can upgrade for number two. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, man, it was like that was that was again one of those games that the the action was very repetitive, but it was a lot of fun. The graphics were sensational, and you know, yeah. you know, you can you can bitch about it all you want, but if people enjoy it, they enjoy it. You know, yeah. I mean, like, you can have a video game that only has three enemy types. Mm. As long as you execute it well, yeah. it can be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, if, if I had a game that only had three enemy types, I'd make them relatively easy to beat, kind of, like, in different ways, but yeah. have them come at you so quick that you have to react fast enough to have the right button combination to get rid of that enemy. Yeah, yeah. 
So a little um, bit of a panic sort of factors into it as well. Yeah, a bit of a twitch kind of thing. The best example I can think of is One Finger Death Punch. That game only has two buttons, the left mouse button and the right mouse button. <laughs> yeah, and I, haven't, I haven't seen that one, but I've heard some things. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. Like, my God. But yeah. One Finger Death Punch. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Something about panic and twitch games. Um can't think what it was. There was something, a game that was just like that. I can't think what it was. Um, doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I'm almost, almost pretty happy with this panel. Okay. So one of the things I noticed when I was inking page two, um, there's, you know, the scenes in the, in the garden here. And I realized I was just drawing the most basic suburban garden I'd ever thought of. <laughs> and I was try- I was struggling with the idea of what to put in the background behind the fence, which was, I was thinking buildings and cityscape or, you know, you sort of mentioned that it was, it was really suburban where they're at, where they are. It's not really in the inner city. Yeah, um, yeah. It's near the city, just not. Yeah. Near. Yeah. Like, and I was thinking, okay, I could draw the city in the background and I'm thinking to myself, why the fuck would I even bother? Like when this guy clearly all he does is gardens and, <laughs> and, and dispenses information, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense that, um, that his garden would be so barren, you know? So I, I'm like, I'll just do away with all of that. Um, top actually. Can I have that page from here? Yeah, here. See, like, I, I know it'll take you a few seconds to see this, but I've got some sort of like, um, you know, shrubbery and stuff in the background here, but, nothing beyond that and I've, I've been sort of waiting for inspiration to go okay i'll put a cityscape or whatever but why wouldn't it be some sort of lush like oasis of garden like with mm. tropical flowers and weird shit you know i mean i've sort of stuck to with what he's working on here i've stuck to a lot of very sort of bonsai style yeah stuff with you know miniature trees and things like that and i've got like a, a weird sort of vine overhanging here now um but there should be it should be lush. It shouldn't just be, oh, here's the fence, you know? And, and these, these are the sort of things that worry me about doing comics is that what happens if I finish the artwork and it goes to print, then I think of the world's best idea, you know? Um, and now, yeah, that, now that, that the shit idea is canon, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the garden's always going to be shitty and barren. Or, or you got hey, to write something like, oh, the garden looks great, Grandpa. Yeah, I decided to learn, to learn how to fucking garden. You know? <laughs> From that point on, he's got a great garden, you know? Um, yeah. You could always beg me to retcon shit. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh no, no. See that last garden was like a. It, it was. It was. It was. Oh, that was his other garden. Like he it, just started that yeah, one. Yeah, it was like a virtual <laughs> sort of thing. It wasn't legit. <laughs> um, um, it was a different temporal environment. Like <laughs> that was after he poured salt in the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm trying to make sure that I establish things properly to begin with. You know. Um, <laughs> But as it stands, I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to focus more on, uh, let's bring it up again, the Sean Murphy school of backgrounds, where, <laughs> where there's so much detail in the background, but still doesn't take away from the focus of the panel, you know? So um, rather than moving on before I start to worry about that stuff, I'm going to start worrying about it as I draw the panel. So it makes a lot more sense. Um, I need to, I'm going to put that back in because I've got it in the other thing. Yeah, how no, long is... is grandpa's beard how long it's long yeah yeah it looks looks pretty epic yeah why well, is that because you said you wanted him to have a hell of a beard so yeah yeah, yeah. Is, it, is it too long it's no like no that's almost fine. santa claus <laughs> <laughs> all right cool no, no, that's fine you got the long do all right cool um does grandpa actually have a name <laughs> he just i just always refer to him as grandpa uh, uh, he does, but you're not going to know it. All right, cool. Fair enough. I'm happy. I can, I can handle that. Um, I mean, so I should probably tell you, but yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. <laughs> everyone, everyone else can go fuck themselves for now. Ah, oh, see, that's, that's how you treat them in and keep them keen, man. That's how you do it. <laughs> so have you got any, any more, uh, comes out his name's just like Kevin or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Steve. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you um have you got any more uh, defecasts lined up? Because I, I I I should mention since the last one I actually went back because finally uh, Carl got pulled his finger out and put all of the podcasts on or some at least some of the podcasts on iTunes, um which is really I mean to me that's that's the only way I can even really listen to podcasts because it's just so convenient. 
Yeah. So I went through and I listened to three of them, and I'm, I'm kind of really digging it, man. What was the last one you heard? Uh, it was um, uh, Electric Dreams. Electric Dreams. Yeah. Okay. So, so there was um, Waiting. Uh, old boy. Old boy and Electric Dreams is, is. I think that's all that's up there. I might just have a quick look. Yeah, because we've got like I think nine total done, and right, okay. they're, like they're they're all on YouTube at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what Carl's done with the iTunes thing, because uh, yeah, I I got no idea. There might be. Uh, you might need to look at it. Actually, I might talk to you about this off air. I think um, they're not grouped. Yeah, maybe I don't um, know. on on the on the app. So there might be something you got to change. It, it, yeah, it, it it updates easily, so it's not a big deal. But yeah, I uh, might have to talk to Carl. Um, he, I believe, he's in Japan at the moment. So. Ah, okay. Learn, um, learn, learning about hosting podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's so yeah. The, you got episode two, three, and four up. Um, obviously, episode number one never made it. Yeah, yeah. Don't know why. Yeah. Uh, well, you talked about that. There was something went wrong with number one or something. No, no, no. no. Number one exists. Mm. Um, just that iTunes rejected it for whatever reason. Oh, okay. Right. Wow. That's uh, weird. Yeah. My my logic is that even iTunes hates Kroll. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's not the movie I thought it was. I was like, uh, Kroll the Conqueror or whatever. It was actually Cull the Conqueror. That was a Kevin Sorbo movie from the 90s. Oh Jesus! Yeah, okay. um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I actually watched the trailer for for uh, Krull. And what year was that? It was it was seventy oh, something, right? Late seventies, early uh, maybe was, early eighties. Uh, I think it was early eighties. It was definitely after Star Wars because they completely rip off the opening shot. Oh really? Yeah. Well, see, I can't understand how. I mean, I know I know Superman was a huge. Oh, sorry, um, Star Wars was a huge budget movie that came out. Um, took years to make and drove George Lucas insane, you know, getting all those effects done. Because all of those effects that exist in that film didn't exist prior. They were created for Star Wars. You know? For Star Wars, yeah. But, but the, my point is, after 1977, all that shit existed. So how yeah. did movies like Kroll come out and be so fucking dated? You know, it's the same when you look at, like, Buck Rogers and shows like that. They've, they're definitely influenced by Star Wars. Mm. But they're just so ingrained in 80s style that they date horrifically. Yeah. Like bad, <laughs> bad haircuts and shit. Somehow, yeah. I don't know who was in charge of all that stuff on Star Wars, but you can look at Luke and Han and Leia and all those people, and not one of them has any kind of style indicative to the time. Um, so you can, you can then, you could literally remake those movies today with, with the same costumes and the same hairstyles and yeah. stuff, and, and you wouldn't be going, oh, this is campy 70s shit. You know what I mean? Unlike I think- all of those other shows. I think it comes down to George Lucas because mm-hmm. he, he did design a lot of the characters and he he essentially designed a whole world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from, oh, man, I've seen so many goddamn behind-the-scenes stuff and documentaries <laughs> and interviews with Lucas. He, he had a very specific vision for it, mm. uh, especially with the, the way the technology was. Like, he... All the sci-fi shit that he used to see was very clean and pristine and very white and mm-hmm. all like, that like, shit. Like THX. Um, yeah. Like that's um, He wanted a, a, a sci-fi world where everything was sort of grimy and dirty and machines were breaking down. Like the Millennium Falcon was barely functioning. Yeah. Like, yeah, that like was I would have to like whack it and shit. Like you, <laughs> you've never seen that sort of thing before Star Wars yeah. in a sci-fi thing. I think part of that and part of his vision sort of made him create a a neutral sort of look for the characters where they don't have a specific time period Mm. allocated to them in terms of their looks. Yeah, but see, you know what, as as someone who designs things and characters and stuff like that, that's that's next to impossible because every everything's influenced. You know what I mean? Whenever you're trying to design something stylistically you're always looking at things around you and going what inspires me what what do i think looks mad what what's a cool like let's base it on a cool person you know yeah. and the coolest people in 1977 aren't cool today you know? yeah um, as far as the way they look and stuff you know that's why when they make period movies like boogie nights and stuff you can identify the time immediately just by what people are wearing mm. you know and the way that they're talking and things like that and there's just none of that and and again you know like uh, Battlestar, um, Movies like um, uh, Flash well, Gordon. 
Oh my god, Flash Gordon. <laughs> Flash Gordon looks like it was shot in the early sixties. Mm. You know, and the effects and stuff are freaking awful. You know, um, and again, it just boggles my mind that that's a, a post Star Wars world. You know, well, it, that's that. It gives you pause to sort of think how revolutionary that movie was. Star Wars, I mean, for the day, like it really, like people didn't catch up to that for decades. You know, and even yeah. then, it, when they when they made the new movies, they tried to sort of outdo themselves and make them bigger, but nobody even liked that. They didn't want the fucking huge Coruscant scenes and all of the fucking. Mm. all that sort of stuff they they wanted to see what star wars is and it's a very close up and gritty in the details kind of thing not a, a big scope kind of movie yeah you know? which is i think what i mean um rogue one is going to definitely be that it's going to be set in corridors and fucking the, the biggest thing you'll see is the desert you know um mm. but uh yeah, yeah. I, I think when you were talking about like the fact that the a lot of the looks were inspired by something I think a lot of that was from the old, I can't remember his name, but Lucas was heavily inspired by, I think it was the Seven Samurai. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The the old black and white Japanese movie. I yeah. think a lot of the, the looks he got from there, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's a very, that's a way back time period where not a lot of Western culture would be familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you're, you're like, the Luke's kimono. <clears throat> Um, yeah. you got the fact that they're using swords similar to samurai swords and not like knights yeah. of the round table kind of <laughs> like Leia's hair. I think the, yeah. the closest thing in Star Wars that looks anything 70s or 80s is Han Solo's clothes. And even then, they're just very, they're just like well, a biker, dude, essentially. Well, I mean, they're really cowboy inspired. He's wearing like a, yeah. like a vest and a, <clears throat> he's got a low slung pistol, you know, like it's, that's, you're right. That, that, that sort of is, is definitely specific to an era. Or yeah. at least a time, but that's who he is. He's a scoundrel cowboy, you know, mm. and that so that makes sense. But even just like because I, I was always obsessed with, with looking at the um, uh, character um, designs. What do they call it? Um, concept, concept art, yeah, stuff like that. And when you look at it, there's definitely designs for like Wookies and Ewoks and stuff like that that, that were very indicative of 70s or late 60s, or so like I guess early 70s to, to late <laughs> 70s sort of design you know like there was things that were very sort of early henson and yeah. stuff like that which never made the cut and i think that's the genius of the movie because it, it that would have dated it if the movie came out looking like the dark crystal um <laughs> it, it it would have dated dramatically and it wouldn't be the movie that it is today and don't get me wrong i love dark crystal i was gonna say don't you shit on that movie <laughs> no but you know what i recently showed that to my friend cloud like i, I made her watch it because she's like her art style uh, fits perfectly into that universe and she just doesn't know it, you know? So yeah. I said, you got to watch this movie, The Dark Crystal. It's, it's it's all puppets. Beware. It's very dated. It's very 70s. And she watched it and I don't think she connected with it on that kind of level mm. um, that we did. Because when, when I saw that as a kid, it blew my mind and it actually influenced my art. You know, as, as a young kid, I was pulling things from that movie and drawing gelflings and shit like that. Man, um, just scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Those I, fucking Skeksis, man. Oh, the Skeksis. <laughs> they're, they're still horrifying, man. It's, yeah. You know, yeah. terrifying. Um, so, you know, like, it's like she, she loved the movie and she loved the style and, and all that. But a movie with, with 70s dated looking puppets with hairstyle, hairstyles like David Bowie. <laughs> yeah. It, it's dated. You can look at it immediately. I mean, aside from the fact that it's, you know, it, it looks... They've cleaned it up and stuff a lot, but it definitely looks like an old movie. Mm. Um, it's 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 hard to relate as a twenty year old in twenty sixteen to something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, and and even somebody who's who's like I said, art style should be informed by that sort of art, you know. Mm. Um, well, I mean, like I think you can show that movie to say a three or four year old now. Mm-hmm traumatizing aside yeah yeah uh like they could still have that connection with it because For sure yeah they don't have like, a point of reference they don't know what the 70s was yeah and it's it's all magic to them mm-hmm. yeah maybe <laughs> maybe you got to get them younger than 21 <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know you know what i mean take um, that out of context jesus <laughs> uh, <laughs> i've done it again <laughs> someone clip it <laughs> excuse me sir can you open the door please <laughs> oh, yeah. man i didn't know the cops listen to my podcast yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Like, let's let's move away from that. Um, I'll yeah, make so- a new show. I'll call Corey out of context. 
Yeah, just edit edit together all of the dumb shit I say that sounds like it's bad. Um, all right. This panel's looking really good, man. I'm digging it. I'm digging the concept for the garden. I don't know where you can see that. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to t take a photo and send yeah. it off to you. But um, My eyes are a piece of shit anyway, so. Yeah. You need better internet, man. No, I need glasses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need, yeah, but NBN wouldn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it would probably hurt my eyes more because I'd be spending more time on the screen. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I just fucked up that shadow. Let's try that again. Um, all right. Well, we might wrap it up there, man. Um, cool. Another week, another drawing. That's mad. <laughs> Hang on. Let me just... I just got to finish this shadow before I forget where it's supposed to go. There we go. Let's look at it a little more light. <laughs> oh, fuck. Hang on. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on a roll. <laughs> I gotta get ready for work. This is bullshit. <laughs> oh shit, you start pretty soon. Yeah, PlayStation Pro and all that. Yeah. All right. So, um, thanks for watching again. This podcast was brought to you by Corey Wire Art because we don't have any real sponsors, and that's my website. Um, if you were uh, watching the stream and uh, all, uh, but want to listen to us on your commute, check us out by searching "Pretty Sketchy Podcast" on iTunes. If you want to see what I'm doing, check it out on YouTube. Um, again, search for "Pretty Sketchy Podcast." That's who we are. Um, cool. All right. We'll catch you guys next time. All righty. Peace. See you later.